0: So much for joining me for another episode of the Adventure Games Podcast. I hope everybody is well. This week my guest is Andrew Schneider, who is the developer and lead writer of Noct, a text adventure about Robin Hood. So I spoke with Andrew about everything about the game, which I think people will enjoy. There's something for everyone here. And before we get to the interview, here is some music from the official soundtrack to the game, followed by the interview, so please enjoy! Joined by Andrew Schneider today, a developer of Noct. So, hello, Andrew. How are you doing?
1: Hello, Sorsha. I'm doing very well. Thank you.
0: That's very good to hear. I'm delighted to hear that. Now, we spoke last year in Boston at the Naroscope conference, and that conversation went online. That was about a 10-minute conversation about your game. This, I believe, is going to be a little bit longer because I wanted to delve deeper into the game. It really interested me. Um, so thank you so much for joining me. But I wanted to ask if, before we talk about your game, if you could uh, just introduce yourself and say what your favorite narrative games are. Okay.
1: Um, I'm the uh, writer, director, designer, and developer of Noct. Uh So uh, if you end up playing Noct, um, which is a interactive fiction text-based role-playing game about Robin Hood, where you embody your version of Robin Hood uh, and hopefully defeat the Sheriff of Nottingham. Um, I uh, did all of the text uh, and design work, uh, and I had uh, a small team of people to do art, uh, music, and um, back-end development um, on top of that. Uh, But largely, uh, I worked on the game for about six years, Um, so that's me. And my favorite narrative game is Planescape Torment. Hands down, um, and I have very fond memories of uh, many of the Sierra games, uh, especially Quest for Glory uh, and the Indiana Jones series. So there you
0: go. Yes, no, those are great, great choices. I haven't played pla- Planescape torment but people keep telling me it's really good.
1: From a narrative design standpoint, and from a writing standpoint, uh, it holds up. Even after 20 years, it's one of the best narrative games that I've ever played. Uh, And you can play it in a way, or it's designed in such a way that uh, it was built around old Dungeons & Dragons mechanics that at this point are arcane, archaic, and well worth not learning about. (laughs) But the game is structured in a way that you can basically ignore the mechanics and play it for the story and for the adventure, and it's worth it in that way.
0: Okay. Yes, it's one of those games that is timeless because there are some games, you, in adventure games, we can say games like Monkey Island and David Tentacle. And I, I include nowadays some Wadjet Eye games or maybe Francisco Gonzalez games that I think would be good at any time. And Planescape seems to be one of those games that just at any time you pick it up and go, oh, st- it still stands up 20 years later. So, and. Uh,
1: It's one of the things I really appreciate about Narrative Games is that, you know, much like books, books are still good after 500 years after we, you know, got printing going. Um, True. (laughs) (laughs) Narrative Games are just books with a little bit of a graphical interface. And as long as it will still run on your system, it's still worth playing.
0: Yes. And then the same could be said for text adventures, which is good for you because you made a text adventure, which we'll talk about, that they seem to be kind of making kind of a comeback? Is, is that because we were NarrowScope, which is more an interactive fiction uh, conference, and there were a lot of people there, a lot of very passionate supporters of it, so... <laughs>
1: You know, I think it might be because, uh, certainly my opinion, um, is that it's because of the popularity of mobile devices. Uh, it makes right. it easier, easier for people to read. People are reading more than ever now. They're just reading in shorter bits. Um, but you download a book or you download a narrative game. You download something that you can engage in for a few minutes at a time. And that's great. I think there's there's obviously there's still a place for narrative games on the big screen and on the computer screen. But there's a growing market uh, on the, on mobile for mobile access, which is really interesting. And I think has helped sort of cross promote games on all platforms that are more narrative intensive.
0: Right. And also as mentioned, it's, you know, on mobile, because I, I came across a few years ago, choice of mm-hmm. And I became fascinated because it's like reading a book, but you are telling the story, you decide everything about the character, what choices they make, but who they are, their relationships and everything they do. And it was like I was really in the story, but, and all the choices seem to matter. So, um... I mean, which, that's the
1: hope. That's yes. the hope. Or, 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 or you have designed it in such a way so that the choices appear to matter and you feel like they matter, even if maybe you do a little bit of narrative ledger and, uh... <laughs>
0: Right,
1: (laughs) and don't don't totally take that into account as you move towards the game's inevitable conclusion, Um, but yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, And uh, Noct uh, is available for both mobile uh, iOS and for desktop. Um, One of the interesting journeys that I've taken over the past several years is we moved it from mobile to desktop and found out that there was a larger appetite for desktop gaming um, in this medium, which is, was a really interesting revelation for me. I'm not sure that I saw that coming, and I still don't totally understand it. Um, yeah, it's I, interesting. Right. I prefer to play the game on mobile, but um, and desktop have a lot of challenges uh, in terms of uh modifying the game for desktop adding art adding music uh, making sure that it fit the screen aspect ratios so you can play it on your tv and you can play it on your big monitor um and i thought who's going to want to sit down and play this game for hours on end on their monitor um but the answer is a lot of people which is great Mm. but it's it's definitely was an unanticipated uh Side effect of the game development and game publicity that we went to early on back in what 2017 now.
0: Right. Yeah. So this yeah. is unexpected uh, that you you know you weren't expecting people to want to play this as much on desktop, but to, apparently there's a whole group of people now <laughs> who like to play these games on big monitors. Maybe because they want to see the writing in big writing.
1: That's definitely true. I get. I get several types of comments. I got people initially when I released on mobile who said, what about desktop? We want to play it on our computer, either because we don't have a mobile device or we don't want to play on a mobile device. And then I get people who are like, I really just want to curl up in my bed or on my couch with my mobile device and play the game. And I don't want to be burdened with, with, the, desktop, uh, with the desktop format. So that's, yeah, it, it's, it's just, I think it boils down to personal preference.
0: Sure, yeah. And do you, do you know if anybody is are playing it uh, in groups or more than one person or two people, you know, if they, they make this choice or that choice, or is it mainly one person do you know of?
1: One of the, um, I don't get a lot of data. Uh, it being a very, very low tech intensive game is great because it means that it's going to be viable on systems for a long time. Um, but it also means that I don't get any data feedback on how people are playing the game or what choices that they're making. So everything, okay. I, get, everything I get is anecdotal. So I can tell you that uh, when I've had people come to cons and uh, see the game, or when I occasionally get emails from people, uh, sometimes people tell me about how they play it with their partners or their friends, and they'll sit together and they'll read the story to each other and they'll make choices. Um, and that's really cool. Uh, I've seen that happen on several occasions. Um, I don't know if it's the uh, if it's the rule or the exception, but it does happen.
0: Well, it's good to know that people can play it different ways. They can play it on mobile, on desktop, you know, one person or together. It's, <laughs> there are many ways to enjoy it.
1: I mean, that's the way that uh, my wife and I play all of our narrative games together, and we will sit and come to a choice, and then we will argue about it, and then we'll make our <laughs> choice and move on. <laughs> So I, don't, I think we're not alone, which is nice to know.
0: No, there's, from what I've heard of a lot of people who play games, you know, narrative games, in couples, or more people, I've heard of groups of people playing Telltale games and then just making you know the choice, but then they had to really vote on it. But then I don't know how that would work in the Telltale games because you'd only have a split second to make most choices, so
1: that's true we uh we couldn't play telltale games uh because of the time limitations so we had to pass on those unfortunately
0: right um well that's no, good Good to hear that people are enjoying we'll talk about it now in uh just just a second but first of all i remember well i was just listening to our conversation in naroscope as i said uh, one thing that you mentioned as well is that you're an author as well you've written some books is that correct yes
1: i've written i've i've written more books than i've published which i think is the case for all authors um there are books that you will never see they hide in the closet and uh we pretend that those words did not come out of my pen uh but i've published i've self-published three novels uh and i have a fourth one that is currently in the final draft stage waiting to get some beta feedback from reviewers and i've Written in two different worlds. Um, one of them is urban fantasy, uh, where fairy tale characters uh, sort of walk uh, unseen among the population and uh, have to deal with trying to live unseen lest they catch the eye of the authorities. Uh, and then the other world is uh, sort of science fantasy, space opera. Uh, set on a distant desert planet with sky pirates and space mummies and cyborgs and uh, sort of a very sort of Buck Rogers uh, pulp inspired mm-hmm. universe. Um, and the the theme, I think the the uh, overriding theme of our sort of through narrative of the writings that I've done, including Noct, is um, accessibility. I want to be able to tell you about the world and the story and give you a bunch of touchstones that you can immediately recognize uh, and then take off from there. So if I say Sky Pirates or I say fairy tale characters or I say Robin Hood, you immediately get an image in your head and I don't have to do a lot of world building. Um, That can come later. Uh, And it does come later because it's really, what's fun is to get people into the story and then hopefully play a little bit with those expectations or throw a bit of curveballs into the narrative uh and and surprise them, but just not make it hard to pick up in the first place.
0: Right. So people can instantly recognize the world or the characters, but then you kinda of surprise them during the story. That's um the sorry the unexpected. It, <laughs> Yeah. Um, OK.
1: Always, you know, I, I read a lot of science fiction and fantasy um, in addition to writing it. It's definitely my preferred genre to read, but a lot of books are so, you know, the ideas are very interesting. And what you can do with sci-fi and fantasy is really interesting in terms of exploring um, uh, various, uh, you know, societal uh, issues uh, in sort of a safe safe. Uh, space or exploratory space Uh, or just you know escapism this is it's all it's all valid but a lot of people will start with situations that are so complicated that I feel like I have to read an encyclopedia about the world that they've created before I can understand what's going on Uh, and it's it's just it's difficult to deal with in a novel Uh, and it's I think worse Uh, if you do that in a game and in a narrative game, because then you're making choices in a cultural vacuum. You know, what are the impacts of my choices? What does it mean that I'm that I'm doing this thing when I don't understand how the ramifications uh, are going to play out later? So that's why I try. Yeah, that's why I try and make uh, do writing that, is, that has that sort of accessibility quotient. You must understand this much <laughs> about the story and the universe and the characters in the first couple pages, um, and then, and then we can we can evolve and evaluate and complicate things later.
0: I played Heaven's Vault a few mm-hmm. months ago, which is also this sci-fi fantasy world that's completely different to our own. But I never felt lost in it. It immediately felt accessible, and then throughout the game, you find out a little bit more about the world, about the characters, about the history of it. So I, I agree to you because with other narrative either games or books, that when for the first page, you know, says in the year whatever in this place, <laughs> like okay, I'm lost already. So
1: <laughs> I have heard. Beautiful things about Heaven's Vault, uh, and it's, I would love to play it. And I'm, I'm going to take take my my get on my soapbox here and ask John Ingold to put it out for Xbox so that I, I can play it someday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, John Ingold, if you're listening, I don't know if he is, but if, you, if if you are, please put it on Xbox or other consoles as well. So, um, right, well, we can start talking about not then uh, because this is. Your magnum opus, it's a really, really epic game text adventure that uh, was really, really impressive, at least when I played the demo as well. But it felt like, wow, there's just so much to explore to find out about this game. Because you're saying, we think we know the characters, but there's so much more to learn. Um, Well, first of all, I'll let let you explain. Uh, um, when did you start working on it? And how did you start working on it instead of 2013 i believe yes
1: uh, march february march 2013 i started working on knocked i had just finished publishing my previous novel um nothing left to wish for in the sky pirates world um i wasn't getting a lot of traction in terms of publicity uh or sales as is fairly standard when you're self-publishing um Uh, and, uh, I had a conversation with my wife and she said, you know what, why don't you try making a game? You, you know, I do and had done, uh, previous work for tabletop gaming, primarily Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I said, sure, I could, you know, there's, there's some tools out there. I can look into it, learn a little bit of light coding. Um, and she said, yeah, yeah, you can get 50,000, 60,000 words out, which is about the size of a decent novel, and, and get a game out in a couple months, and do a little bit of cross-platform marketing, get your name out there in a different environment, maybe get people interested, and then go back to writing novels. Now, every all, that all happened... Uh, except that um, a couple months became a couple years, became a couple more years, and here we are in 2020.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's usually the way, because I've heard other developers say that they just started this game with this idea, they thought it took like a couple of weeks or a couple of months, and then 10 years later, they're still working on the game. <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> and I'm
1: probably not alone in that I am a uh, terrible perfectionist, uh, and i want something to be as good as i would like it to be before i put it out there so that just means that in this case i kept writing and writing and writing
0: right i've i've heard from i think it was another author or artist who said that either games or or movies or or books novels they're never really finished you just have to stop because you could be constantly changing and changing and never publish it
1: it is very much true, especially with Noct, uh, where for a while there I was pushing uh, updates as I got feedback from people. Um, I at least have less trouble on on the novel end. I don't feel the desire to go back once I decide something is done. It's done. It's out there. I can move on to something else. Uh, but it was exciting to get feedback from Noct and be like, oh, okay, I'll I'll fix this. I'll change this relationship. I'll add this scene. Um, and because the game is so modular, um, I, c- I could do that. Uh, and, uh, and then Catalina happened. Uh, so we can thank Apple because Catalina broke the system that I was using to build the game, which means that what you have now is the complete definitive version. Uh, I'm not going to be doing any more changes or updates for the foreseeable future at this point. Uh, this is the end point of Noct. And it's good. It, it's good that it is because it's over a million words. And at some point, project has to be done. You just have to move on.
0: Yeah. I think once you get to the millionth word, I think uh, that's the time to really, to really kind of stop. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, I spent a lot of time on this. <laughs> and, and really, um, if
1: I were to write more, um, I would, uh, I think I'd, I'd work on a, on a new game. Take the lessons that I learned. Uh, There's so much legacy code uh, and legacy systems present in Noct that they work together, but like any piece of game design, uh, if you start fresh from the ground up, you can apply all of those lessons uh, and make something that's cleaner and, and better uh, in, in, in different ways and that you don't have to, you know, it's not visible from the player standpoint, but when I have to, when I was going and adding things, untangling the snarled mess of interactions that I had, you know, written four years ago uh, to, uh, to to correct or add to a scene uh, was was a big headache.
0: Right, I, ca- I can imagine. And j- just to go back, you mentioned Catalina. Uh, would you mind just uh, just mentioning what that is because uh, for people who haven't heard of it? Sure. So
1: back in October, um, Macintosh uh, Apple updated their Macintosh operating system to uh, what, what they call Catalina. They have names for all their operating systems. Uh, and Catalina is the... Um, is the newest operating system. Um, From a technical standpoint, it moves uh, game architecture and program architecture uh, had been divided between 32 and 64-bit architecture for a while, and now it is only 64-bit architecture, um, which means that there's a lot of legacy programs that no longer work on the Macintosh operating system. One of those was the program that I was using to assemble my game. Um, and
0: so uh, there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> right, so now it's finished. It's <laughs>
1: now, now it is It is finished.
0: Now you mentioned that this game was about Robin Hood. Before we talk about the story of this game, is, what for you was the appeal for of Robin Hood and for many people? Because there have been many movies, there have been many books, there have been other games and there's been animation there's been a disney movie robin hood so what is the appeal of the character and the setting that made you well that you spent 70 years with this character and these other characters
1: it really started out as a vague idea again coming out of the idea of accessible storytelling uh what i started with was what what myth what legend or what idea could I take and play with? And Robin Hood just came to mind. Um, and I sort of turned the idea this way and that and thought about it for a bit uh, and then went with it. Um, I like I like folk tales and legends. Um, it's why my first two novels dealt with fairy tales uh, and fairy tale characters, and Robin Hood sort of falls into that wheelhouse. Um, when I started working on the projects, the first thing I did uh, was watch all the Robin Hood movies that I could. And one of the exciting things that I realized when we were doing, when I was doing that very, very important piece of research was, <laughs> <laughs> was that they're all different. Uh, there are so many different stories of Robin Hood. Um, he's, he's more of an idea than a single concerted series of tales. And that's really exciting because it means that there's a lot of material there to play with and to add to. But he's also he's pretty consistent as a character, so there's a lot for, you know, if you know what Robin Hood means, if if that name rings a bell, then uh, you probably have some idea of, of the story surrounding him and you can jump into the story and play with it without much more introduction.
0: Right, yes, because I think a lot of people know Robin Hood that he steals from the rich and gives to the poor even if you've never seen any of the movies, which I imagine most people probably have at least seen one of them. And because uh, so you, you even watch a Kevin Costner one, the Kevin Costner movie.
1: <laughs> I confess that that's my favorite.
0: Really oh, wow, well, okay. I haven't seen uh, it in years, but uh, I, I think I remember when I did, when I watched it, and I was very young, but I remember liking it, and Alan Rickman. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I haven't seen the latest, well, there's two latest ones, one with Ridley Scott and Russell Crowe, and there's another one that was released two years ago, I believe, three years ago, uh, which didn't get great reviews, but that's still, you know, curious. Um, That's the
1: one I haven't seen. I have not seen the most recent one. The Russell Crowe movie is also quite good. Uh, It's actually a movie about the Magna Carta, but they dressed it up as a Robin Hood movie because no one would fund a movie about
0: the Magna Carta. Right, I I can imagine. It's like, who wants to watch... It's a fit of a Magda Carta. Oh, Robin Hood. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> um, and ha- Have you played the old Sierra game, Conquest of a Longbow, I believe, which is a Robin Hood game?
1: I haven't. I've had several people refer me to it recently. Um, right.
0: I haven't either, but...
1: I've, I've heard really good things about it. Um, there, the interesting thing is there's not a lot of other Robin Hood games out there. There's Conquest of the Longbow. Uh, there's a couple tactical games. There's an old Atari game. Um, but beyond that, uh, it sort of sits by itself. Right, which, very, is,
0: which is kind of surprising because, as we've mentioned, there are so many movies about it and different books, but very few games, in particular narrative games, apart from Conquest Conquest of the Longbow and Knocked. I can't think of any other narrative game which deals with Robin Hood.
1: Me neither, which is great.
0: And, uh, <laughs> Definitely. Noct is,
1: hitting, yeah. Noct is in its own little category, um, which hopefully uh, will, will increase its visibility and maybe its popularity. Uh, I get a certain amount of feedback. I I take a lot of liberties in Noct uh, in terms of story uh, and character development. Um, and uh, I, I think was what was uh for some people a very controversial decision of including fantasy in the robin hood story um i had a lot of feedback early on and later that they were people were disappointed that there was magic in in robin hood but uh from my perspective you know if you're going from that time period, uh, where when the Robin Hood legend started, you also have King Arthur, um, and you have all of English mythology, frankly, to draw on that was very much alive at that time. Um, Robin Hood lives in a dark and mysterious forest, and there's no reason not to also have fairies and dragons and unicorns uh, and every other exciting bit of... Um, Accessible, understandable, and recognizable uh, mythology uh, from that time and era come through come through the game and play into the game. Um, however much you as a character might want to engage with it, so yeah,
0: right. Because I mean, a lot of fantasy that I know of at least is medieval fantasy anyway, so it kind of makes sense. You know, it would for me. Oh, I've not played the game yet, but I do plan to. But it ha- it to me it doesn't feel out of place to have what you mentioned fairies and dragons and unicorns in Robin Hood because it's a medieval setting (laughs) but kind of like Game of Thrones but with Robin Hood instead you know for me it doesn't feel completely out of place it feels kind of oh this could be you know natural and as you mentioned King Arthur is a largely mythological figure anyway so I
1: had had a lot of fun frankly bringing in uh, all the various mythological uh, folkloric sources that I could think of uh into the story so there's a lot of Arthurian legend and there's a lot of fairies and there's a lot of a lot of Shakespeare too which
0: uh... interesting uh well okay so there's a lot of different uh different inspirations then it seems and so then we you mentioned as well at, at Narrow scope that Robin Hood you know there's a figure that we know but in your game there could be different types of Robin Hood, and you can choose who Robin Hood is and the t- kind of person is it, he is. Uh, do you want to, to let, let us know what what different types of character he could be in the game?
1: Absolutely. You're always going to be Robin Hood. Right. You <laughs> can break it to you. You don't get to play Maid Marion and you don't get to play Little John. Uh, oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We forgive you. <laughs>
1: You can be you can be uh, you can be a boy. You can be a girl. Uh, you can um, uh, you have a uh, variety of relationship options uh, that you can choose. You have a variety of political factions that you can support. Uh, you can be peasant Robin Hood. You can be noble Robin Hood. Uh, you can be a secret prince or princess. Uh, so really, the identity of the mysterious Robin Hood. Uh, really is up to the player as much as possible. There are so many different origin stories and identities and ideals that you can follow um, as Robin Hood. I thought it was only fair to include as much of this as possible in the game and let, let people create their own Robin Hood story uh, out of the various different uh, and disparate uh, folklore and legends that are out there.
0: Right, because there are, there are a couple of different backstories that you can choose, but it's still Robin Hood. Yep, that's, yeah. that's correct.
1: I the, the the through story, it's always going to be the same. You're always you're always defending Sherwood Forest against the Sheriff of Nottingham, uh, but how you go about it, who you recruit to help you, uh, and how you ultimately solve uh, the problems um, and help the people or don't help the people uh, is it's up to you
0: okay yeah because uh you mentioned helping the people and that takes me to the uh, gameplay then which when i played a demo of i found very interesting that there is uh different types of battles and resource management um and so what can i well, ask you then what can you tell us about uh, different gameplay styles that are included in this game
1: So the game primarily is one where you make a choice uh, that has narrative consequences, um, and then the narrative continues, traditional style of interactive fiction. Um, On top of that, there's a level of resource management where you gather your men, you gather gold, uh, you gather renown, and then you gather political influence, um, and you spend those resources uh, to accomplish tasks, to build your base, uh, and to unlock uh, special missions uh, or other benefits. Um, the, I think the, the most important thing to say that, you know it's, it''s so it's a story and base building and resource management strategy game in that sense, but uh, the uh, design philosophy that I really pursued was that the mechanics needed to, Make sense within the narrative. It's so important for a story game that you're not you're not engaging in a separate separate resource management game to to do to do, to uh, advance the story. It's the story and the resource management uh, are all part and parcel with each other, um, and that the mechanics are informed by the fiction and they make sense with the fiction um, and not the other way around.
0: Uh-huh. right now that that makes sense and that's great to hear that they kind of go together is, is what I'm getting that they shouldn't be separate elements
1: <laughs> yep I, I spent a lot of time uh, working on designing mechanics where where it didn't feel it didn't feel alien it didn't feel like you were playing a game so much as you were managing your story hopefully if I did my job right
0: okay um and then there are different difficulty levels in the game is, is that correct what can you tell us about the diff, different difficulty levels for people
1: there are four different difficulty levels they range from what i call story mode all the way to impossible mode and it <laughs> really, uh revolves around um uh modulating the resource management uh levels of the game so in The harder modes, uh, you have fewer resources. um, uh, You will have more of an uphill battle to build and maintain your resources, and the Sheriff of Nottingham is going to have uh, more at his disposal to act against you, which he does periodically over the game. Um, And what that does is it... Constrains your choices. So if you have fewer resources, then you're going to have to pick. Uh, you know, do I want to build the tavern or do I want to build the chapel at my base? Do I want to expand my base or do I want to um, improve my relationship with the local nobility? And then those choices cascade as uh, as you have a more limited series of um, narrative openings to pursue. Uh, and so that's, that's sort of how the resource difficulty works. If you're playing it in story mode, you're probably going to be able to make your choices without worrying too much about the resource balance uh, and still be able to pursue all of the various story avenues that are out there that, that catch your interest. If you're playing it on a harder difficulty you have to decide this is the this, these are the stories these are the relationships that i want to pursue and i'm going to have to leave these others by the wayside at least for now uh, at least and you have to have a more of a strategic goal and vision on how to pursue those resources
0: so there is, it seems that different people can play it in Different ways, then you can follow the story or follow those gameplay mechanics, which I like as well because you're appealing to many different types of, of players. Uh, you know, people who really want to delve into the resource management and the challenges the game has to offer, or if you want to focus on the story and that part of it. That's correct. Yep. Um, yeah, because what, you know, I think this is mainly for console gaming, maybe, or action type games, because there are some people who get annoyed when people play on easy setting, which I can never understand, because I think if you want to play in a hard setting, sure, but there are other people who might want to play it on easy setting. But I've seen some people online, I mean, Twitter, because, you know, it can be, uh, probably shouldn't pay so much attention to that, but some people got really, really annoyed when they saw that people were playing a game on, on an easy setting. So, and I, I just don't understand how that affects other people, but I just wanted to know what, what your opinion on this is, since you've introduced the four different difficulty levels. Thank you, for the by the way. <laughs> uh,
1: you're welcome. I, I, I hope you enjoy them. Um,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: You know, it's, it's... Unless you're playing a competitive game, like online mm. with other people, gaming is a very personal experience. Uh, you should be able to play a game on a difficulty that is as challenging or not challenging for you as as you like um it's especially with a narrative game uh it's much like reading it's you know it's it's what you bring to the experience that's important it's not whether or not whether you've you've beat it on the harder setting um there's no you know there's there's a sense of accomplishment Uh, If you choose to make things harder for yourself and then you succeed. Uh, And I applaud everyone who does that. Uh, But sometimes you don't you don't want or need a challenge in your life. Life is challenging enough sometimes. Right. uh, (laughs) Especially right now. (laughs) Right. Maybe we just want to get away for a couple hours uh, Mm -hmm. and, and live some other life. So that that would be my answer for you.
0: Yeah, no, that I agree entirely that some, sometimes we just want to get away from life, and I think the more people can play it without, you know, without it affecting the game itself, because the, the game is still the same, but different people can experience it different ways, and, uh, you know, especially with action games as well, that they have easy modes for people who want to focus more on the story, and then hard mode for people who want the challenge, so... Um, I would usually go for it easy in action level, in action games, because I suck at <laughs> action games. So. But um, and then another, another thing that I really like from what I see about the game is that you mentioned the Steam page that you can play for minutes or hours at a time because there is a robust autosave which keeps track of your progress. And that's great because sometimes I find I want to play a game where I just have time to play for a couple of minutes or 20 minutes, half an hour. Sometimes I can spend two, three hours, and in some games that I play, there, there are checkpoints, so you have to play for a certain amount of time, but I, I like what you see down here to, you know, keep the autosave. So again, what's, you know, what is your design philosophy regarding the autosave? Why did you choose to include an autosave like this in-game?
1: Fantastic, and uh, I think controversial question, uh, not controversial <laughs> in the sense that people are arguing with me about it, but controversial in that I am having an argument with myself uh, about that game design decision. Um, and its it definitely, it grew out of the mobile version. I think it's important to reiterate that the game is available on mobile and on desktop, and right. they are two radically different gaming experiences. Uh, The desktop version has uh, an expanded play space, it has more art, uh, and it has music, uh, all of which is not present in the mobile version. So there's, uh, there's an important disparity between the two games. It's two very different gaming styles. Um, And, you know, if you're considering playing the game, think about how you want to play it and how you want to experience the game. Do you want something that's more of a book experience where you're reading by yourself and you have a little bit of art to sort of help with the visualization? Or do you want a multimedia experience uh, with a lot of art and portraits and music? Um, And so that's where where the, the difference falls between desktop and mobile. That And that's also why there's a significant price difference between the two. That said, the save game system definitely grew out of the mobile version. Um, I wanted people to be able to pick up the game on their phone, to play through a couple of choices, and put it down. So, so the game saves every single time you make a choice. Um, we, when we developed the desktop version, we added a series of additional checkpoints, That, um, uh, so every, every major event in the game, generally every season, as you go through the game, the game is sort of bounded by seasons. Uh, you, um, it triggers a checkpoint and then you can always reload back to that checkpoint. Um, or the game will just pick up automatically wherever you stopped last. Uh, it's... And I I mentioned that this was a controversial controversial decision for me. Um, for in some ways, this is playing this is playing your your traditional text based role playing game. Think um, think Baldur's Gate uh, or Pillars of Eternity or other other games like that. This is playing it on ultra hard. It's you have. One save game and your narrative choices that you have made—they stand. Um, and I—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm still honestly con- conflicted about that. You know, would it be better for people to be able to make multiple save files to go back uh, in uh, to to multiple points and try different parts of the story more easily? But the other uh, important development philosophy that I pursued is that your choices need to have real consequences um, in the sense that you don't just make a choice and immediately get a benefit or a penalty Uh, but a lot of the actions that you take also have carried consequences that don't appear until much much later in the game. Uh, I'll often there will often be a chain of events where uh, if you start something um, uh, there's a problem that's introduced uh, there's another element uh, of it uh, complications develop hours later and then hours beyond that there's a conclusion uh, and you end up with a series of choices um, that. Uh, affect each of that string of events until you you come to the end Uh, and I didn't want people, I didn't want to force people to commit to their choices so much that I didn't want people to be frustrated um, by repeatedly making choices, going back to see what happened, making other choices, going back again.
0: Maybe yeah.
1: And, <laughs> and ending, yep, right. Ending up in this cycle where, you know, you're not you're not certain that the, the uncertainty of whether you have made the right choice, because especially uh, in Knox, sometimes a choice will feel like maybe maybe this was a bad choice. Maybe this maybe I shouldn't have made this choice or maybe something went wrong here and it will turn out OK in the end. But you have right. to see it through. Uh, and so, and for that reason, uh, I sort of came to this compromise where you have these very intermittent checkpoints. Um, but beyond that, uh, and my recommendation to players out there is just play the game through, stick with what you do. Um, it won't always turn out for the best or it won't always perhaps be the most optimal path that you would want to do. But you can you can replay the game and try it again because you're going to find some interesting and different Uh, Results uh, and reactions to your to your playthrough that time, Um, and and it'll be worthwhile, trust me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, no, because when I when I played the demo last year, I believe it was you had um, was it the, the battle or the strategy part of it as well that you had to choose how many people were in one place and another place to I think defend a place and. I don't think I was ultimately successful, but still, it was very interesting how how it developed, and I don't regret so the... the choices that I made.
1: <laughs> the demo is definitely it was. Uh, I I had to, I took a piece of the game, um, the 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 classic archery tournament uh, of Robin Hood. Um, okay. And you infiltrate the archery tournament, and in in this case, you. And, and I added a special uh, series of convention choices where people were to sort of build out your Robin Hood identity because the archery tournament in Noct is um, happens sort of midway through the game, um, and uh, and and that sort of builds out your character and builds out your goals and tells you who who you have with you as companions, and then you get to decide how you want to. Sort of have people move through uh, that section of the game, um, so that yeah, that was the demo, and that's that's how that works. And it's true, you you make choices, you're not sure.
0: Yeah, Does this gonna work <laughs> out good for me or not? <laughs> I was like, uh, where should you put these? I I don't know, but okay, let's see how how this transpires. And but it it was still interesting how things developed, and I I was like, okay, well, I wasn't completely successful, but still interesting. I'm so glad I went with these choices and then oh maybe if i replay the game i'll see what other choices make but yeah i do agree because if you go back immediately then you can maybe get confused like oh what choice can always go back and forth with the the choice instead of just going forward (laughs) right it's the same
1: reason that i didn't um uh, aside from also there were some technical issues but uh i decided not to pursue achievements in the desktop release um just because it's it's a game all about your choices and your story, um, and you know be be excited and happy about the choices that you make and see where they go and see what and be happy with the story that you create and then go back and create another story, play the game again, um, as opposed to uh, thinking about what you might be missing out.
0: Right. Uh, no, definitely. And then it mentioned in uh in your steam page as well that there are dozens of different endings now obviously, I'm not going to ask you what the endings are because this is not a spoiler <laughs> uh, uh interview but how challenging how much of a challenge was it to to write different endings based on the choices that uh players make as well was it was it challenging in the end or did did there, were it able to come naturally
1: after about a million words. <laughs> Writing a couple dozen endings was suddenly uh, <laughs> not so complicated. Um, it's not. I think it's not spoil. It's not a spoiler to say that the endings are predicated on your personal choices, but also your relationships with the larger factions of the world, um, and so. Working off of that framework and combining those elements uh, gave me a structure to create a large number of endings um, in a like, both efficient and satisfying way. Um, and this was this was a a modification from uh, the original release of the game where the endings were handled. Were handled much differently, um, and where uh, where you could you could die, honestly, uh, and that was something that was changed between the mobile release and the desktop release. Um, and it's worth saying that both mobile and desktop have exactly the same text content and the same gameplay content at this point, so they're they're identical. But the original mobile release. Often had players dying at the end, um, and I think having a very unsatisfactory experience of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and now, and, and it's it's not a spoiler to say that you know you're Robin Hood. This is your story. You are the hero and the protagonist. You you cannot die in the game. Your friends can die. Your companions. Uh, you can lose people along the way. Uh, you'll always see the game through to the end. You'll always get to make ending choices of some sort. Um, but, you know, the flexibility uh, that you have at the end uh, and the choices that you get to make in that point are going to be uh, predicated on the decisions you've made throughout the game. So.
0: Okay, so then... As, well, as you mentioned after writing a million words uh, then based on the choices that you make it uh, uh, wasn't uh, as difficult maybe as maybe other times but yeah I think that's good as well that we can get to see the effect that our choices make and the effect that they have on on the game
1: it's I think it's also it's also really important uh, as we talked about save game status uh, mm-hmm. it's really important that you know you you, you have this uh, knowledge that you be, you are going to see the game through to the end, especially when you have to live with the choices that you make.
0: Right. Yes, uh, another game that I played recently, Whispers of a Machine, which is an adventure game, and it's also you to make certain choices in that game, but you can only save when you quit the game, so it automatically saves. There are no manual save slots or checkpoints. It's just when you quit mm-hmm. the game. And I spoke to the developer and again, he said the same, that he wanted the choices to mean something that, um, that when you make the choices that, you know, you, you go with them then you, that this is yep. the choice that you make. And I, I can, I can agree wholeheartedly with that because sometimes we don't know if the choices are good or bad, Like like in life. <laughs> and, um, and then another thing that I like is in this game, you could play as male or female Robin Hood and that you can have relationships that include both same and opposite sex relationships. That's correct.
1: That is that is entirely correct. I just wanted to give as much choice as possible. Try to make a balanced
0: number of choices
1: in terms of your options. Um, so you know your various uh, your various romance options, uh, your relationship options. Um, everyone, the the non player characters are who they are. You know if if uh, if Little John would prefer to. Pre- Pursue a romance with with Lady Robin. He will always pursue a romance with Lady Robin, or or perhaps proposition. Uh, he's now he's not going to decide that he prefers men halfway through the game simply because you're playing a man. Um, so you have, and you know, you asked me were the endings difficult to write. I think the harder hardest piece of writing was the romances. Everyone, uh, there are. 10 i believe 9 or 10 romance options in the game and they're all different and they're all sort of unique to the type of character that you're playing so um those those were those were the hardest things right uh, along the way
0: right well it, it's done true through them. we mentioned that there's a million words in, in the game which uh i don't know of many games best Right. <laughs> so you didn't count each word as you wrote it. <laughs> oh, that's still a lot. And, um, and then, because you, you mentioned as well, about bit in the desktop version, as well as this story and the narrative, to complement the narrative, there is music and art. Um, now, I see here the art is by Amanda Spade. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. That's correct. Yep, that's correct. Oh. Right, myself from pronunciations, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, what's, uh, what can you tell us about the art that's in the game then, and how does that affect uh, what, the game when people play it? Sure.
1: Amanda was an artist who worked with us, uh, who worked with me since the very beginning of the game, uh, both on the mobile and the desktop versions. So the mobile version of the art is this lintel space that you see above the text on the desktop, it's, and that is in a watercolor style, digital watercolor uh, when I approached Amanda to do additional art for the desktop version, she was uh, strongly influenced um, by a uh, German artist um, who uh, Lottie, uh Reiniger, who worked uh, on um, sort of uh, silhouette art, uh disney animation uh in the 40s um and uh so that that the very bright colors matching the uh silhouette art of the characters and the scenery uh was influenced uh strongly by by that artist um and we, she's a good friend of mine. We worked closely together for low these many years uh, on the game. And I'm really happy with, with the art that she came up with. Uh, I had a very light hand on the art direction. Uh, I said, this is, this is sort of my vision. This is what I would like to see. Um, and then she went and drew it and came back and we put it all together
0: it looks beautiful i have to say and it's good that she stuck you know ran for six seven years making the game because i've heard i know she's a friend of yours at least but i've heard other developers said oh this person left halfway through so we had to do the art all over again um but it it looks really beautiful from you know from what i remember playing and the screenshots as well so i think that definitely adds to the game i'm really
1: happy that we're able to have a consistent uh, mm. art and art style for uh, throughout the game. Absolutely.
0: Right. No, definitely. I, th- I think it definitely would help. It definitely makes you feel like, you know, just looking at screenshots now, it's like, Oh, I feel you talk about accessibility that, okay, I know kind of where I am. I know it's Robin Hood and I know it's medieval England and it is definitely helped to make it more accessible. And then there's, you also mentioned that there is music in the desktop version as well. So, um, again, what, what can you tell us about that, and how did you work with the musician? Or what type of music? I found
1: a composer for Reddit, which... Uh... I don't know if I would totally recommend that as a uh, means of job solicitation, Um, but it was was an excellent, uh, ultimately a uh, long and fruitful relationship. Our composer was uh, Yvonne Oberholster. He is a um, composer out of L.A., uh, originally from South Africa, Uh, and we worked hand-in-hand for almost two years, putting the music together. There's 84 minutes of music. Uh, The soundtrack is also available uh, separately, both through Bandcamp, uh, through Steam uh, as a um, downloadable content, um, and also through itch.io. And so, even if you're playing the uh, mobile version of the game, you can always get the soundtrack. Uh, and listen to it independently Uh, i know i often listen to it it's a great idea (laughs) while i'm working um we're really happy with music we also had the uh i cold called my favorite english folk musician john Bowden, and i said hey uh would you be interested in doing a robin hood song for my game Uh, And what do you know? He said, yes, he had a piece of Robin Hood music that he'd composed a a decade ago, um, but had never been recorded. And so we made the arrangements and he recorded that song for the game. It's like a very, very special uh, piece of additional music. Uh, The other the other piece of uh, additional music that I'm going to call out is the um, You Can Get Married uh, in the game, and the wedding march that gets played uh, is played by a good fiddler friend of mine, Paul Carlson, who played the same wedding march for my own wedding. Oh wow!
0: So, so he played for your wedding and for Robin Hood's wedding. <laughs> and for Robin,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> That's one thing that you that you have in common now with Robin Hood. It's, <laughs> Oh, no, that sounds great. I mean, I, again, I just remember listening to the music and before this interview, I watched a trailer. And again, the music is, uh, f- first of all, it feels like it's medieval, but also it's really m- melodic as well. That's, you know, I can, you can listen to it, you don't mind listening to it for hours on end. So, yeah. Um, um, I, I wanted, it the,
1: the thought, it was the hard thing. It was the hard directive for our composer was uh, I told Ivan I said we need music that is evocative. It's atmospheric. I want you to be able to listen to it independently, mm. but I also be able to. It, I don't want it to be inter, interfere with the reading. Uh, and striking that balance uh, was one of I think the most the more difficult tasks uh, that we worked through. You revised. don't like. Uh, it can't be boring, but it also it also can't be too 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 exciting, is that
0: Yeah, I I guess it can't distract you. Right. But it, it can't be you know, it can't put so it can't put you asleep and it can't distract you. It has to be in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which I imagine is a hard thing to to accomplish. But it seems to have done the job and it's as you mentioned you can get the soundtrack on its own as well, which is is great to see as well. And how long have, because I know we spoke about this before the interview, but how long have people generally been playing the game for?
1: Uh, as far as the statistics, I don't have statistics for the mobile version, um, but uh, people who've reviewed the game on desktop, they, their average play time is usually over 20 hours and sometimes into the 50, 60, 70 hour range. Uh, there's one person who played the game for over 300 hours trying to I just thought all all that now. All wow. All of them crazy.
0: <laughs> it's a good thing you gave it a positive review in the end because if you played for so long and then say no and recommend it's like, okay, what, what are you doing? But no, it's, um, it's... I mean, it's overwhelmingly positive that I can see, but...
1: <laughs> so I, I appreciate that. Um, I My... Personal estimate, you know, how long you play the game really depends on your reading speed. Um, If you're a really fast reader, then it's going to be a shorter game for you. (laughs) But I would say the average really is about twenty hours to get through the game once. You know, fifteen to twenty hours. Yeah, depending on which
0: which is still long, (laughs) you know, nowadays. It's a
1: totally decently length game. You can probably get through it in ten if you're if you're speedy.
0: Um, <laughs> but oh, but then it's good to kind of enjoy as well, you know, to, to savor it as well. So <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Take your time. I mean, I you know, I, one of the things I really enjoyed about the game development is it's, it's all the little personal touches that I could put into the game. And, you know, I'm always tickled by them, so I hope, I hope other people get enjoyment out of that as well.
0: Oh, well, so far, there are quite a few people, it seems... Who are enjoying it? And speaking of enjoying it as well, now it's time to maybe embarrass you because I was just seeing the the nominations and awards it won. That it won. It was at the Wordplay Festival in Toronto, which I was at last year as well. And it oh. ended up winning. It yes, I was there in after NarrowScope. I just I love decided. Yeah. Yes, it was it was great. And shout out as well to Chris T, the organizer. He's a fantastic person. Yes. As well. Um, I've spoken to him a few times. Really, really nice guy as well. Really passionate as well. So. But yeah, it was, it was great. And this game won the winning showcase game at the Wordplay Festival, I can see.
1: It was one of the showcase games, yes. My, myself and there were a number of other games uh, that were showcased at Wordplay. But I was really pleased to get to show Knocked at Wordplay uh, back in 2017. And I gave a small talk about the narrative design there uh, as well, which you can find online. Um, nice. I was terribly uh, nervous but
0: uh, I, well. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I can imagine but no I can imagine you uh, did well as well and then we see a uh, two time award winning game at MAGFest Indie Video Game Showcase in 2018 and nominated for Dragon Con's best fantasy sci-fi mobile game of 2018 and then a lot of reviews apparently who really like it so yeah so it seems like people are definitely enjoying it <laughs>
1: It's uh, it, it's why I, you know it's why I did it right. It, it's why I, right. write. you know, like you, uh, we we had a we had a we had a brief conversation uh, prior to the interview about you know when you know a game developer talked to his doctor and said my my family thought I should be a doctor and the doctor said well you want to be a game developer right you make people happy and I'll keep people healthy. And it's true. I, you know, I'm, if I, if I wanted to make a lot of money, I think I would have had to have gone into a very different career. But if I can at least make people happy, uh, then I, I I've hit my goal.
0: That, definitely. You know, to make a lot of money, you should do podcasting. I can say that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a huge amount of money. You know, I'm sitting on money, lying in money. <laughs> No, but I, I, I do agree because, you know, with, uh, with game development or working in entertainment, we kind of make people happy. And especially now with the time of recording when we need things to distract us more than ever. And I think yep. you, you guys as well, you know, especially a game like Noct, that you can just get into this game completely and immerse yourself completely as Robin Hood and in this world where you can actually travel. It <laughs> was like, oh, I remember those days when I could travel, <laughs> but um, no, people, you, you know, as you mentioned, you are making people happy in this game. just seem to be doing that, so I definitely look forward to playing the game myself. Um, I've actually just added it to my cart in Steam. So, <laughs>
1: oh, thank you. Um,
0: no, definitely, because again, it's like, oh yeah, no, it was when I played it at Naroscope. It was definitely one game. I mean, I enjoyed all the games, but this game really stood out because of just how epic it felt that, you know, I, I don't think I've heard of any other game that has more than a million words, well, million-ish uh, words. And then I, I really enjoyed it. So I look forward to, to playing it myself. Um, and yeah, it's, it's also made on Twine, correct?
1: It is. It was made in Twine. I'm going to give a shout out for Twine, which uh, I think is
0: a wonderful
1: uh, interactive Fiction Coding System. It's if you're interested in making uh, text-based and interactive fiction games, uh, you can pick it up and you can have a game in 10 minutes. Um, Twine is uh, is really light, really fun, and really easy to use. And I was privileged uh, and honored by the fact that uh, Chris Klimas, uh who created Twine, was one of the people who helped bring Noct to... Uh, through through development Uh, he was the back-end developer he helped adapt adapt it for iOS and then again for desktop Um, and he has a new game coming out with his partner Joel Haddock um, probably within the next couple months uh, called uh, tentatively titled Night in an Unpleasant House so keep an eye out for that
0: cool I'll have to keep an eye out for that definitely and um no that's really nice as well A co-creator himself gets involved in your game it's uh, that it you know must be proud and was like oh wow this you know this creator is now interested enough to get involved in the game
1: it's a funny thing the game went through a couple different iterations and i needed to move uh between a couple different code bases as i was sort of developing early stages of the game and i decided on twine and i found Chris online and just shot him an email and said, hey, what would it take to do some code translation? Um, Do you have any thoughts? What computer languages would I need to learn? Do I need to know? Because I'm not a programmer, I'm a writer. Mm. Uh, And he said, well, you you would need to learn these three languages, but um, I could do it. And it turns out he only lives 20 minutes up the road from me. So
0: we, we, got, to, nice. we, got, together, we got
1: together for a drink uh, and talked it through. And uh, he's been involved in the project ever since.
0: Nice, because the United States is a big country I found when I was over there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, it is.
0: <laughs> and Canada, surprisingly. I always thought that Canada was a small country. No, it's not. It's, oh, uh, it's very big. And, you know, in the United States... When I was there, I was like, well, this street is is bigger than than my town." <laughs> you know, in Ireland, you can go nearly everywhere nearly walking, but not so in the US. I found. <laughs> um, very okay. true. Every
1: time you every time you you just happen to run across a game designer or uh, or, or another contact, and you you meet up with them, you realize that they they live near you. It's it's always very exciting.
0: Right, whereas in in Ireland, it's like, oh, yeah, just live up the road. That's Usher, you know my grandmother, you know my cousin. Uh, And then, um, are you, now I know you've released this game last year, and I I hope you have rested well as, as well. Are you, do you know... What you're planning on working on next? Have you thought about if you're going to release another game, if you're going to work on another game, or are you going to rest for seventy years after taking seventy years to work <laughs> on this game? <laughs> Is there anything you can I'm, say? <laughs> I, I
1: I can I can I can I, I'm happy to to be honest about this. Uh, right now I'm I'm moving back to writing more novels. Uh, okay. So I have I have a. Uh, a novel that I've been working on for intermittently for about four years, uh, even as I was developing the game and I've made a big push, uh, and over the winter and have finished a draft of that. And so I'm working towards getting that published. Uh, and then I'll probably, probably work on another novel and maybe do a smattering of, uh, tabletop role-playing game design, uh, I don't have any immediate plans, at least for independently developing the game on my own. You know, I'll put it out there. If someone has a game idea and they would like a writer, I am happy to talk with them. Uh, But it was the process of uh, not just creating the game, but also being the production manager and um, finding the talent and managing all of the work uh, over, over the years is it's, it's a tiring uh, process and it's not one that I think I would jump right back into immediately. Uh, I'd be more happy and more interested in a partnership. I've, I've been making games since I was 11, but, um, but my primary focus uh, is definitely uh, writing, writing stories um and so balancing those two desires um you know since I've been making the game for so long I'm happy to come back to writing and then uh come back to game game writing uh, and uh, game design as the opportunity presents itself
0: cool sounds sounds good well I look forward to seeing what you do next whether it's a novel or or game or anything because I, I think you've shown that that you can write at least, Thank you.
1: Know. <laughs> I, had, I had some, uh, especially immediately coming off of Knocked, I had some ideas. I said, Ah, I could, I could, I could do these other games. Um, and then, you know, I, I gave it, I gave it some good hard thought. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknowns about making mm. a game. What are you going to program it in? You know, what's going to be viable? Uh, you know, do you do? Do I need to learn another coding language, or do I need to hire someone to do? To do these things you know do i want to make another narrative game uh or you know i did a lot of what i wanted to do almost everything that i wanted to put into a game i put into knocked so if i made a, a second game uh, as i said earlier i can i could take all of those lessons i can make a game you know better faster and stronger uh <laughs> but i'm i'm really happy with mm. Noct and with all of the gameplay and elements uh, that I, I wrote into it. Um, and because of the complications involved in, in, in making a game, it's I can, I can go back to writing for a bit and I can just put words on a page and uh, I don't need any, as long as I don't run out of ink, I'll be okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, well, as I mentioned, this seems like your magnum opus you are know, Lord of the Rings if you will it's it's uh, it's certainly epic so you you deserve some rest anyway you but know for now, now for now for now I, I, sure then. let's
1: let's hope, let's hope it's not the end uh. oh,
0: absolutely not you know let's hope um, you know we'll, we'll we'll see what what you come up with next but um, no, for now people can enjoy your game knocked at least. Um, if people want to find out more, where can they find out more about the game? You can
1: go to to the game.com. Uh, knocked, which is spelled N O C K E D, uh, like knocking an arrow. Uh, there's no Ooh. K at the beginning of that word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, knocked, knocked has uh, is, is my website And that has uh, plenty of information On the game There's also the Steam page uh, You can find it on itch.io uh, And there are a number of reviews out there um, I can recommend reviews From The Six Axis From Gamebook News uh, uh, From Pocket Tactics Are all um, thoughtful uh, Well written reviews And um, rock rock paper shotgun has a brief review of it as well uh uh so it's it's out there there's definitely plenty of information uh the steam page um and the website are probably the most comprehensive uh places uh for where you'll find information on the game though
0: sure yeah i'll include those two pages on the on the show notes as well to make it handy for people if they wanted to to check it out uh, well, I think that's that's all the questions that I have about the game. You've convinced <laughs> me to add it to the cart anyway, so hopefully, other people <laughs> will, will be able to play it. Now, will want to play it after as well. Before we go, is there anything at all that you would like to say that we haven't covered, or to finish off the interviews, or anything at all that you would like to mention to either myself or people listening? <laughs> Any per- people listening, I'm- I imagine. <laughs>
1: absolutely, I'm. You know, I. I'm happy. I'm happy to have everyone who would like to 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 play Noct. Uh, and I'm I'm happy to hear from people who play the game, uh, either with questions or just comments. It's you know it it is it's one of the I've un unlooked for uh, benefits of having a game out there is like every once in a while I get an email and someone says hey I just played your game and thank you and I really appreciate that you know whether or not you know, obviously, I also appreciate reviews going up on the websites because those help everyone else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it just even that little word of of thanks is uh, it's something that uh, I appreciate. And if you ever have questions about the game or even if you're frustrated by the game and you want to you want to rant at me, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to talk to you about it. So please drop me a line.
0: Cool, but, but nicely. If you have to rant, be, you know, be nice about it. <laughs> <Yeah. Genteal laughs> because yes, because you've put a lot of work into it and you're, you're accessible as well. So, um, no, I'm sure people will enjoy it. As, as I, I should mention this in every interview. Yes, uh, wishlisted as well. It was out now so you can buy it and review it as well. It really helps with the accessibility so of, of games. And ev- any game that you do play, it really helps game developers as well. Absolutely. Um,
1: since, I made, since I made this game, I have made a point to go back and review all the games I've played recently, uh, and I try and make sure that I, I put my, my voice out there. I've, in fact, i started reviewing every product that I'm using because I realize how important it is.
0: <laughs> right, yes. That's, even authors, as you imagine as well, they're always asking people to review their books because it helps with the visibility, and if people want That's to review awesome. this podcast, they can do the same, <laughs> which would really help. And also help game developers like yourself and writers who come on the show. So, uh, well, thank you so much, Andrew. It's been, a, it's been a great pleasure speaking to you again. And you never know, maybe we'll meet up when we're in the U.S. Maybe we'll go to Narroscope again or Wordplay or even hopefully you can come to Adventure X sometime. <laughs> That would be Um,
1: wonderful. Once, once, once we can travel again. Yes. Uh, Thank thank (laughs) you, Sorsha, for having me on the Adventure Game Podcast. This has been a real pleasure. Uh, And to you and everyone else out there, stay healthy and stay safe and play a lot of games.
0: Yes, now we have a lot of time. And yes, once we can leave our homes, uh, hopefully we can meet up again when when it's safe. But no, thank you very much, Andrew. Next week, I'll be joined again, as always, by Thomas and Laura through the latest games we've been playing. But for now, thank you so much, Andrew. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. And the very best of luck with your game then and with whatever else you do in the future. Thank you, Sarsha. So that was my interview with Andrew Schneider, I hope you enjoyed it, and a huge thank you once again to Andrew for joining me, and I hope to speak to him again soon sometime. And If you like the music that you heard, you can buy the official soundtrack to the game on Steam, you can buy it on its own, or along with the game, knocked as a bundle. So that is it for this week. Thanks once again for joining me. Next week, I will be joined once again by Thomas and Laura as we will be discussing the latest games that we have been playing. So, until then, take care everyone. Goodbye.